it smells lavender now. It smells good. Yeah. Well, I can't. Being pregnant, you're like on fucking steroids with everything you smell and feel, and that's not my password. What am I doing? You know what's funny? We were supposed to start 38 minutes ago. It's going to be fine. <laughs> it's fine. Because um, this episode for me is going to be a little bit different anyways, because I had one a story planned, and then some shit happened last night, and I was like, no, fuck this. I'm doing this today. Um, now I'm intrigued. First of all, my fucking phone charger is being a whore. A whole lot of whore. A whole lot of whore. So how was your week? Mine was good. I made me some rings. Look at those. I know. I saw them on Facebook. They're fucking cute. Thanks. Have they, I've read that they haven't turned your fingers green yet. No, and that's what someone asked me if they do, and none of my jewelry ever has, but this is new wire. So then okay. I, that's why I made me some, and I've been wearing it, washing my hands, doing dishes, everything with it. Perfect. What? Is it just brass, or what is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Actually, I don't remember off the top of my head. Like I said, it's new wire. But like copper is usually what turns you green. Yeah, I don't think it's copper. But I love like the rose gold. It's so pretty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and then the wedding. That was how your wedding yeah. go? Oh. That you went to? Uh, they had a pizza truck, which was fucking cool. Oh, yummy. So that was cool. Um, I love pizza. She stayed the fuck away from me. Oh, good. I mean, she was like... Did you ruin her night like you wanted to? A little bit. And like... Well, I mean, you could tell, like, when I was over by certain people in certain groups. She'd be she, like, retreat? Or No, she wouldn't come over. Mm-hmm. She came over one time to grab something out of a vehicle. Mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> I love it. That's funny. My wedding, Gabby, my wedding, I love saying my wedding. Uh-huh. Gabby's wedding was beautiful. Yeah, I saw the videos. Did you? I was going to mm-hmm. ask you if you did. They both looked so fucking happy. I love that. Oh, my God, I know. Like, I, they gave us a... We, like the bridal party got handkerchiefs that says ugly crying or something like that. I can't remember exactly what's talking about. No ugly crying. That's what it said. And all of us girls were up there like trying to like wipe our tears when they're all recording. We're like trying to hurry and wipe our tears. It was so beautiful. Yeah. It was, it was from what I saw on the videos they shared. Yeah. Yeah. They fed us well and they gave us free alcohol. It was beautiful. Yeah. They had an open bar at this one. I too. got drunk as fuck. No. See, I was pissed because this is only like the second wedding I've been to. With an open bar and you couldn't drink pregnant, like, this is a trap well when i get married someday i'm gonna have an open bar so there's another one Cole, so just don't get up on that well actually wait till i'm not pregnant right oh it'll be yeah plenty of time but why because i'm in no rush <laughs> whatever i can still smell the dishes <laughs> can you, you know from I mean? <laughs> the lavender up your nose Oh put God. some on your chair so it's like you get a whiff of it well it's on my fucking wrist and i talk with my hands so i figured that like you like enough of it i do too it's us we're italian that's what we do i know that's italian it's bitches all over the place. <laughs> so i was just thinking about that like that makes it so much worse is we're already kind of a little fucked up and then we're italian, italian. Mm-hmm. so like they got double dose of us well i'm half italian and half british yeah see there so you go i don't know what my other half is i just know i'm italian you should find out i know i need to I'm a clusterfuck of crazy. Yeah, me too. We're we're pretty... We're going to hell. Let's just say. We already know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. (sighs) You guys, I'm still fucking tired. Yeah, I'm so tired. I slept like crap. I didn't sleep bad. That's good. I went to bed angry. Yeah, yeah. So, I didn't... I don't know if I slept like super well. No, I just woke up still angry. I've had headache for like three days now. Ew, what the fuck? I don't know. I drink tons of water, so I know that's not the problem. What's tons? Um, like those 32-ounce tumblers. I go through quite a few of those a day. Okay. I should probably monitor it better. 
Because like I said last time, or a couple times ago, they say half your body weight in ounces of water. Really? So I got to like track well, how many I'm getting. It depends on your physical exertion as well. Right, yeah. When I go to the gym, I drink more on right. those days, yeah. Well, so fun fact about water intake. Your water, oh my God, your body runs on mm. the water that it intook three days ago. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so if you're like, oh, I don't feel good and I'm dehydrated and I have a headache, like you can't, whatever you're drinking that day, mm. sure, it'll kick in in like 48 to 72 hours. Hmm. But it's not going to help you immediately. Yeah, I didn't know that. No. That's why I have Look those, at us learning shit. <laughs> that's why I have those um, drink packet things. Oh, those I'm packets, not going to say yeah. their name on here because they don't sponsor us. Right. Um, But I have those, and those help it kick in mm. almost immediately. Because. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, water doesn't hit your body. That's why you're supposed to stay consistent with it. Good thing I drink a lot of water most of the time yeah. anyway, so. But yeah. still, yeah. Well, fun fact out there for everybody. Mm-hmm. Drink water. A lot of it every day. Yeah. So, I guess I'll start my stuff. I know we're so, we need to like get ourselves up a little bit more. Like mean? wake up a little bit more. Oh. At least I do. I'm just kind of like blah. I'm not like blah. Maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> I feel so like monotone this whole time. Oh my god, my fucking phone is just it's still not, not working? No, like it's not wanting to stay charging with this stupid fucking cord. Okay, so I was gonna do a female murderer, because a lot of people have been asking for that, but something happened here in our state. Um, let me see, like forty eight hours ago or so. And I decided that it's something that needs to be more widely talked about not only for the victims but the survivors um we are going to touch today on domestic violence this is going to be a touchy topic um a girl named Shayna Bigby here in Utah um was murdered by her boyfriend and this one's gonna make me cry I'm I don't not, know her personally, but I know a lot of people who know I, her. Yeah. Um, I don't, I th- I've met her once through people, like in a larger group. Um, I don't know her personally at all, but based on the reports and based on what people were saying, the man she was dating was regularly emotionally and physically abusive at different points. Um, and according to police reports... There was an argument, and then people left, and then he and Shayna were home alone, um, and he tried to convince the police that she had shot herself, but her body obviously showed signs of physical violence mm. as well. Oh my god. So they, obviously, we got a judge out here who's got some fucking common sense because they've put him in jail right now without bail until they get enough evidence because due to the way the bullet went through her head it doesn't match up mm-hmm. for suicide yeah um it was something about front to back and and left to right which obviously i'm not a fucking forensic expert expert but to me that sounds like two separate shots yeah 
because you would shoot from one side and it would go straight through, which would be the left That's to right. That's right, and then front to and back. And then front to back yeah. would be, yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't shoot a bullet and it doesn't go do, 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 do. That's well, and think do. about it. Anybody who has a, owns a gun, it's easier to hold it. You can't, people, they can't see me. Like this, then like this. Like you yeah. can't hold it like no, that. No, if you're going to take your own life, you're, you're going to do it at the side or at the base. Uh, yeah. You're not doing it at the front. But everything's obviously still brand fucking new. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't even, obviously people are coming out of the woodworks friend-wise and family-wise to talk about things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so I'm not necessarily here to speak on that particular case, but I just wanted to lead with something that lets you guys know domestic violence does not end well. Mm-mm. So... You got to get the fuck out. Uh, and I can't stress that enough. So I don't know a lot of your story. I'm going to tell a little bit of mine. And then if you want to tell some of yours, you can. And then I'm going to go into some information for people. Um, so I grew up with abuse. So to me, I went through a stage in life where that was normal. Like mm-hmm. that was what you had in a relationship. Um, <clears throat> so I wound up with a fairly abusive person and not only mentally and emotionally but physically like you probably you can probably see him those scars right there Mm -hmm. they're littler scars but that's from when he opened the front door and put my hand in the door and then just started to smash over it repeatedly so you can feel like where the bones didn't connect that's why this one's still fucked up and I have to get surgery on my right wrist to remove some of the damage that he caused and that was all back when I was between the ages of 16 and 20 Jesus um, well just because even when I had left he still kept coming around yeah, like he wouldn't let me go. move on mm-hmm. he always fucked something up somehow and the only reason it ever stopped was he came over one day to try to fuck with me and Casey and I had just started to date and I was on the phone with Casey and he heard what was going on, and he left work and rushed down, and he never came back. Yeah, so, but No, he left before Casey got there. Oh. Um, and I'm sure there's more to a story somewhere that I don't know. I've asked, and he won't tell me, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. Yeah. Um, but not everyone gets that lucky. Um, there was, yeah, there was a lot of abuse. He, when I was pregnant, um... If I was bothering him, he would intentionally slam on the brakes so my head would bounce off the, um... Windshield or the dash? Yeah, the dash. Um, and shit like that. So, and it's it's little stuff. It's the, you look like a slut in that or blah, mm. blah, 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 with different things like that. Um, and, yeah, it took me a really, really long time to be okay and comfortable showing off anything to do with my body mm-hmm. no matter what I look like physically because of it was the well you've had a kid now like you're broken mm-hmm. so I, I can't stress enough that just because they don't hit you doesn't mean that they're not abusing you yeah there's definitely different types of abuse mm-hmm. um, and I also can't stress enough that most of the time if they will talk to you like you're nothing they will eventually hit you like you're nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they've been talking shit to you for seven years and they haven't hit you yet. Like one day, they'll snap. It's gonna something, snap. Yeah. 
something will flip inside of them. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of people don't even... I've, in my experience talking to different people, a lot of guys don't realize when they're getting abused because they, they're like, mm-hmm. they like write it off because we're women. 100%. No. Yeah. It goes both ways. Well, yeah. Even, it doesn't matter if she just starts out just like play hitting, whatever you can play around, but like mm-hmm. hitting someone because you're mad, slapping someone because you're mad, doing something like that because you're mad. Like that's abuse too. Well, yeah. Like a lot of girls. For, from her to him, you know. Right. A lot of things that I've seen commonly with girls is oh, you're going out with your friends, you're going out with the guys, you're mm-hmm. not going to hang out. It's fine, I'll just stay here. Now, if he were to do that, we'd call that an abusive red flag. Right. But, oh, she's just emotional. She wants Controlling. to Controlling. That's not fair. No, no, like, it's not. No. I'm not saying that you can't be upset if he's hanging out with his boys too much. I'm just saying, like... That's the key word, too much. Right. Um, you guys have to find the balance and pay attention to the for, red flags. Right, what's good for you. But you got to realize, like... It's a controlling situation either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, just because it's a woman to a man saying, I don't want you to go out, baby. I want you to stay in with me. I mean, every once in a while, great. Yeah, that's, she just wants to stay in with you. But if she's doing that every time, like, she's emotionally and mentally, like, or whatever. I don't know which one that would be more mentally, I guess. Uh-huh. And women... Like, that's controlling. That's abusive. Like, that's not okay. No. Women are more often and more likely to use abuse through means of removing sex as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if sex is continually used as a gift or a punishment Reward. or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, it's also a no. Yeah. Like, if you stay home, then I'll suck your dick. Right. <laughs> like, like, no. No, like, I'm good. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> like, I'll go out with my friends. Thanks. Thanks. I'll have well, one the, of them suck my dick. Right. <laughs> it's fine. Well, the thing is, like, usually that's all comes down to trust issues. So figure that shit out. Right. But, like, and one thing I can't reiterate loudly enough would be if you're in an abusive relationship it's not your fucking fault and Mm-mm. they will go out of their way to make sure that well if you hadn't have upset me and if you would have just done this and mm-hmm. if you would have said this instead or if you would have come home when i asked you to or right. if you would just text me back if you would have mm-hmm. answered my call mm-hmm. it's always if you would have done something there's mm-hmm. never anything they did if no. you upset them and you triggered them and you are gonna whatever um, that's not the case. They have got a lot of shit mm-hmm. that is fucked up in their head. Yeah, that's completely different. Yeah. So that is entirely their fault. Yeah, and that's their problem. And it's not your job to fix them. Nope. Get the fuck out. Yep. It's your job to fix you. Exactly. So some red flags and signs of potential abusers, both male and female, is abuse of alcohol or other drugs. I think that's kind of a given. Mm-hmm. A history of trouble with the law, um, getting into fights, and mostly the destruction and destroying of property. Because if you don't, if you don't have a baseline of respect for like people's things, you you don't usually have a baseline of respect for like people in general. Yeah. Don't work or go to school. Um, they blame you for how they treat you or for anything bad that happens. Back to the blame. Yeah, like uh-huh. said. they're abusive to their siblings or other family members, children or pets also in an emotional sense um they put people down including your friends and family and they call them names um they're always angry at someone or something they try to isolate you and control who who you go see and when you go see them they nag or force you to be sexual when you don't want to be they cheat on you or have lots of partners they're physically rough with you they'll push shove yank squeeze restrain 
like little things that you won't say oh he, they hit me mm-hmm. it's, oh he he grabbed my wrist kind of hard or play, oh, play just, pinched a little too hard right, too often like, yeah she 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 was just playing like da, 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 when mm-hmm. she pulled my hair like don't touch me right um so there's that too they take your money or take advantage of you in other ways they accuse you constantly of flirting with other people um, they don't listen to you or show interest in your opinions or feelings. They ignore you and give you the silent treatment or they'll hang up on you because it's a form of, that's an emotional form of, of punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, they lie to you or they don't show up for dates or different things that they're supposed to be there for. They make vulgar comments about you in front of you and like around other people to embarrass you and put you down. All arguments are your fault, no matter what the problem is. They help they tell you how to dress or act. They also will threaten to kill themselves if you break up with them. So then you get this guilt thing going on of, oh my God, if I go, they're going to kill themselves. So many of these have happened in my past. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. I don't, I can't, there's not one of these at this point that has not happened. Um, where was I? Kill yourself. Experience extreme mood swings. Um, tell you you're the greatest one minute and rip you apart the next. Tell you to shut up, tell you you're dumb, fat, stupid, slut, whatever. Just any kind of, it'll start little is mm-hmm. what at least I've experienced where it's, oh my God, you're being so annoying. Like little shit like that. And mm-hmm. oh my God, you're so fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. And then it slowly escalates from there. Um, and then they compare you often to former people that they've dated. Mm-hmm. Tyler's calling, I'm going to answer and tell him we're recording. You said that last time, too. I I would be, too. It's like Tyler. (laughs) It's fucking Tyler. Morning. I'm good, but um, I'm recording the podcast. What? Yeah, do you want to call me, like, nine? All right. Love you, bye. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> just be like, from now on, just on know, Thursdays, Thursdays just, don't call, just don't call until, like, nine. Yeah, well, he's been calling this time, like, every morning. Oh, really? Yeah, since he's been able to make calls. Um, so, yeah. And then they, so they'll, uh, they'll compare you to lovers of the past. Um, so feelings for the one who's being abused, um, you'll commonly feel you're afraid to break up with them. You feel tied down and like you only have to check in when you're out and about. Like you have to reach out to them and let them know that like you're good. Mm-hmm. You feel afraid to make a decision or bring up certain subjects to them. You tell yourself that if you just try a little harder, your partner will think you're enough. You find yourself crying a lot or being depressed and unhappy. You find yourself worrying and obsessing about how to keep your partner happy. And you find the physical or emotional abuse getting worse and worse over time. Okay. So in the U.S., um, when a romantic relationship turns deadly, victims are overwhelmingly female. Nearly half of all women who are murdered die at the hands of a partner. 
That's a lot of women to die lot. at the hands of a partner. Um, only 5% of men suffer the same fate. Every 16 hours, according to an estimate, a woman is fatally shot and or killed by a boyfriend, husband, or ex-husband. Um, Statistic-wise, in 2014, 1,875 people were killed by an intimate partner, and the majority of them were female. In 2015, the death toll rose to 2,096. 2016, it rose to 2,149. In 2017, we were up to 2,237. All of these um, were female. Jesus um, Christ. And it just, it just keeps fucking rising because nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to admit that they're being abused. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to ask for help. Nobody wants to be fucking nosy and annoying and be that nagging friend that's like, dude, get the fuck away yeah um and i've lost people before because i've put my opinion out there about the relationships that they are in Mm -hmm. and at that point like i had done all i could i can't do you know you can't physically drag them out of the house yeah well yeah when they know and they choose to stay it's hard like what can can you do at that point for so long it's on them at that point Mm mm-hmm yeah So I will repeat this number a couple times before I'm done, but just in case anybody needs it, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. That's the national one, and they will be able to connect you with your local, Mm. so there are different things they can do to get you out immediately. That's good. And they don't even have to notify your family or anybody. They can just get everything dealt with as quickly as possible. Um. Da, 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 da. Hold on a second. There it is. Okay. So I'm going to touch on a lady named Francine Hudges. I think is how you say her last name. So she killed her abusive husband. And she was able to change some of the situations in the U.S. and how people viewed domestic violence. So Francine Hudges stood in front of her Michigan home watching it burn. Inside lay her abusive husband, Mikey. Earlier that night, he had beaten and raped her for the last time. She stood watching the fire and then turned and entered the car with three of her children, cowered in fear. Then she drove herself to the authorities and turned herself in. Her ordeal had begun 13 years before when she married James Mikey Hudges after a hellish marriage marked by physical, verbal, and emotional abuse. They had divorced, but the abuse continued. In the night of the murder in 1977, Mickey had beaten Francie in front of their children ripped up textbooks from her secretarial class in courses and then forced her to have sex with him, threatening to kill her if she didn't. Francine did not know, but she was about to become um, a central figure in what is now known as the battered woman's movement, which worked to draw attention to the plight of women who were brutalized by their husbands, but were rarely taken seriously by America's justice system. Because you got to think, for quite a while, abusing your wife was not spoken about and if it was it was for sure ignored yeah definitely um so by turning the national attention and she received by the tragic case francine um was able to help women in ways um like creating a system and saving shelters and laying the foundation for modern awareness on domestic violence francine hudgens life story reads like a nightmare in a book based on her ordeal 
um, is a book by Faith McNulty's. It's called The Burning Bed. It's much like a horror story as it is a true crime event. As a child, Francie Maureen watched her alcoholic father abuse her mother. So same, like, I watched the abuse and then I was abused as a child. Then you fall into abuse because Mm -hmm. that's normal to you. And then dropped out of high school to marry. She quickly became a spousal abuse victim as well. Mikey began to abuse her shortly after the marriage. Hudges told People Magazine, I bought some new clothes and he ripped them off me, she recalled. I don't know whether I looked too pretty or what, but he didn't want me to look that way. Soon, Francine had four children and a husband who spent much of their money on alcohol. In 1971, she spoke with a local social worker and decided divorce was the best thing for her to do. But he ignored the divorce divorce decree. Surprise, surprise. Listen, you guys, obviously get restraining orders because it puts them in line for the cops down the road if you have to end up physically defending yourself. Get yourself a fucking gun or get yourself some fucking mace because believe me when I tell you that when they come for you, throwing a piece of paper at them doesn't do shit. The only thing it does is it helps later down the road in convicting the bastard. Yeah. Okay. And that's if you leave him alive. I always have a a little knife in my, br- not little, but I have a pocket knife in my bra all the time I too. Have, and it's pretty good sized. Fuck. I have pepper spray. I have knives. I have guns. Guns. Yeah. Me too. You name it. If it's a weapon, I mm-hmm. own it. Well, and the, like use whatever you have around you. Use your fucking keys if you have to, if like well, you're out and about even. Once you, I've noticed that with women, a lot of them, once they overcome some of the abusive bullshit, the mentality switches very much into like, no one is fucking with me again. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, not on any level. Good. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So he ignored the divorce decree coming and going at will and beating her every time. When Mikey was in a serious car crash a few weeks later, Francie took him back and nursed him to health, but the abuse got worse. Oh, I fucking hate when they do that. Then on March 9th, 1977, Mikey lashed out on Francine, who had attempted to enroll in secretarial school with her mother's assistant. He forced her to burn the books and demanded she drop out and threatened to destroy her vehicle. Terrified, Francine called the cops, but they refused to arrest Mikey since they had not witnessed the abuse themselves. That's... Do a whole bag of fucking dicks. Yes, because... People are only abused when policemen are standing right there. Yeah, that happens. Literally no. Um, even though he threatened them and told her it was over. So, so since he called for help. Okay. I was thinking about all the things that had happened to me. All the times that he hurt me. How he hurt the kids. Francie told people. I stood still for a moment hesitating and a voice urged me on and just whispered, do it, do it, do it. She acted swiftly, putting her kids in the car, then pouring gasoline around Mikey's bed and lighting a match. As the house went up in flames, she drove to the county jail to turn herself in. By the time firefighters reached the house, her husband was dead of smoke inhalation. Francine was arrested, and she was charged with murder. Francine Hudgens' case was all too familiar in a group of feminist activists who'd been trying to call attention to domestic violence for years. Ever since the fight for women's suffrage, women have been trying to turn the tide on spousal abuse. One of the earliest political movements supported by the movement was closely tied to domestic violence. Anti-alcohol advocates also claimed that drunken men were more likely to beat and harm their wives and children, which is true. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, 
women crusaded against the wildly accepted policy of chastisement because that you were allowed to chastise your wife if she wasn't following your rules, which fuck you. I don't like, I'm a person. You don't, what the fuck? Oh, this topic's giving me so much rage. <sighs> which uh, chastisement, which held that men had the right to physically punish and legally. Sub- oh my God. They're legally subordinate wives. <laughs> Oh my fucking god. I'll end your shit a thousand percent. As master of the household, I can't. Oh my god. This one's rough. <laughs> this one's rough. Master of the household. I'm getting so mad. <laughs> How oh fucking god. small is your dick that you have to call yourself master the master of the, of the household. household? Oh my god, you fucking douche donut. Get on your hands and knees and clean the floor then master of the household right. there you go right. you, master you the master floors your own house master bro. yeah like, i'll master mine right and then i'll master leave me of exactly yeah Just fuck this guy um as a master of the household a husband can command his wife's obedience and subject her to corporal punishment or chastisement if she defined poor casey Jesus Christ. This poor man. Oh, God. I'm lucky that these are no longer laws that stand in place. We'd be fucked back then. Oh, my God. Starting in the 1870s, chastisement became um, socially stigmatized. They didn't mean that domestic abuse... A little little bit. That did not mean that domestic abuse stopped, though. Even in the 1970s, police and courts turned a blind eye to men who beat and raped their wives. Did you just say the 90s? The 1970s. Oh, 1970s. Okay, I thought you said 1990s. Like, Jesus, fuck. Mm-hmm. But still, 70s is not that long it's ago either. It's still not addressed today properly. No, not definitely not. But. Like, the amount of times I put my abuser in jail and the amount of times he was out within a couple of hours. Yeah. It wasn't even, like, it didn't give me enough time to fucking pack a bag and get the fuck out. Like, right. they don't fuck, they run around screaming, oh my God, please call for help. Like, no, no unless you're fucking dead on the floor, they do not take it seriously, mm-hmm. which is why... You as the person being abused, you have to take it seriously. Yeah. Um. So by 1977, the same year that Francine Hudges killed her husband, the FBI had reported that spousal abuse was the United States' most un um underreported crime. So faced with a justice system reluctant to help abuse women, um. Organizers began to raise awareness and create small-scale protections for women in danger. Beginning in the 70s and in 72, the first rape crisis line was established. In 1971, the world's first safe house for domestic violence was opened in Chiswick, London. A group of American activists visited the refugee and began to network and get a shelter put into place in the United States. Soon, activists began targeting the legal system itself. It was an uphill battle. Legislators, police, judges, and the public, it was slow to get them to understand why it was necessary to provide specific legal protections for victims of intimate partner abuse. Do we break up a marriage simply because a man beat his wife? Asked a New York City councilman. Yeah, you do. Simply because. Even. That's not. Fuck this guy. In a typical exchange with a group of advocates that testified in front of the city's public safety committee. Cases like Francine Hudgens helped draw awareness to the issue after she was acquitted due to temporary insanity. Believe me when I tell you she was not temporarily anything. She was fucking pissed and she was fucking done. And she knew 
nobody was going to make that bastard stop Mm -hmm. or pay for it. So she did it. She's taking her life back. And I'm glad she did. Yeah. After she was acquitted due to temporary insanity, burning bed syndrome, quote unquote, became something studied by academics and used as a defense in other cases of women killing their abusers. By the time Farrah Fawcett starred in the made-for-TV movie based on The Burning Bed in 1984, there was a National Domestic Violence Awareness Week, and the movement had begun to make huge gains. A decade later, Congress passed the Violence Against Women Act, which established a national domestic violence hotline, forced all states and jurisdictions to recognize and enforce victim protection orders, and provide funding for domestic violence, training for law enforcement officers. By the time Francine Hudgens died in 2017, domestic violence had been recognized and it was now a major national issue. But that doesn't mean it has been resolved. Even today, 20 people per hour or per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in one way or another. One in four women and one in nine men will be victims of severe physical abuse by an intimate partner during their lifetime. So if you're experiencing domestic violence, again, call the fucking phone number. It's 1-800-799-7233. Or they now have, um, you can get online. It's called www.thehotline.org. Um, and you can actually set up to talk to them online or you can set up to have them text you so that it's whichever makes you feel more comfortable. Just get yourself out of the situation and tell people around you what's going on. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't fucking, I fell down the stairs and that's how I got this. My wrist hurt. No, no. Don't cover up for them. They're not fucking They're not in the right. They're not worth it. You're not doing anything wrong. It's not your fault. They're not treating you like you're worth it. So don't fucking protect them. Know your worth and own that worth and fucking walk away. And just please understand that it's them who's mm. fucked up not you never you Mm-mm. nope so that's mine hmm. yeah my so i don't have stories or incidents quite like yours at all mine um maybe by what i'm saying people know who i'm talking about that know me but i'm not obviously not gonna say names um i'll tell you guys his name piece of fucking shit <laughs> um one of my exes was both of my exes but one of them mainly was Really mentally and emotionally, he cheated on me a lot. He called me names all the time. I was six. Oh, that's going to give it away. I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, like, really hard because I was trying to figure out who the fuck I was. Um, yeah, I was, I was 16 when I started dating him. And then another one, um, he threw a uh, full open soda can at me <gasps> from across the room. Jesus. Luckily, I had dipped into a room first and I hit the door. Not me, but it was, like, it was everywhere. Um, just little things like that. The fuck, dude? Yeah. Little things that I played off as just me made him mad, but I didn't deserve something thrown at me. Uh-huh. He could have used his words. Uh-huh. Yeah, no shit. Um, and even then, I'm sure the words he was going to choose to use were probably not going to be nice. Probably not. Because he sounds like a whole piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest... Um, the hardest thing for me coming out of abuse because it was both physical and emotional. It had been since I was a child because it, first it was my dad, mm-hmm. then it was the boyfriends. Right. Um, was believing when Casey told me that he loved me, and believing that after an argument, like 
he wasn't mad anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and believing him when he said he didn't care what I was wearing, mm-hmm. it was it took me a really fucking long time. I think like a solid like two or three years before I was really like, okay, I'm actually safe to be Shelby. Yeah, and it's not going to be used against me and thrown in my face and all kinds of other shit which in fact he loves you more because of who you are right which is how it's supposed to be right um but when you spend your whole life caught in these fucking traps of shit Mm -hmm. um it is hard it's hard well even still with cole like i still am trying to come out of my shell of who i was supposed to be Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out and not all i mean i figure out for the most part i obviously still more figuring out who i am but like being able to portray it in a way that isn't that I feel isn't going to offend him, not necessarily offend him, but like annoy him or bug him or my family or whatever. And so having Cole, so it's the same type of situation, which I'm so blessed. We have the men in our lives that we do Yeah, is that he's never one who's going to be like, don't wear that or you're not going mm-hmm. there or you're a piece of shit or yeah. anything like that. Like he's the first one to be like, damn, baby, you look hot. Go wear that out with your girls. Yeah. Like he'll yeah. pick out an outfit for me to wear because I look hot in it. Right. Yeah, like and that's, that's normal. Yeah, that's how um, it should be. Like, yeah. I, the same thing. If he's going out, I'm like, ooh, do your hair like that. Like, you look hot like that. Go out yeah. like that. It was like it was like when we were going and I saw Casey coming around the corner just because he fucking lifts all the time, obviously. He's covered in tattoos, and he just came around the corner in his fucking glasses, and I was like, oh, my God, someone take my panties. Don't you love that? Yeah. That feeling that, like, okay, so I know it's been described, like, in a meme and stuff before, but you know that feeling when your food's coming and you get so excited? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that times so much though because like <laughs> like my food's gonna be gone in a minute this person's staying around <laughs> hopefully hopefully dork. and i love food so all the food all um, the food yeah it's, no and it was it was hard for me with casey um because i'm only five two mm-hmm. and he's like yeah six we're short two. bitches yeah he's like six two and he's built like a brick shit house so I was I was very nervous in the beginning dating him because the other people that I had been with that were abusive were a lot smaller. Right, um, he could fuck up some shit if he was abusive. Right, and if right. he yeah, if he were to come after me, um, I don't know. So like there was one instance when we were first dating where I was standing in the middle of the Walgreens, and he like started walking towards me quickly, and he had a look on his face that made my stomach drop. I think you've told me this before. Yeah. yeah. And I fucking ran into the bathroom. Yeah. And he ended up like running in after me and I was like fucking shaking because yeah. I was like, you can't, you can't do that. You can't. Yeah. He's like, well, I was just going to play with you. Like I was just going to tickle you. And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, like it probably wouldn't like affect that. you as much now, but it, it could still probably this long still do that to you. No. The right moment could trigger the wrong thing. Right. No, now I would just turn around in the aisle and put my hand on my hip and be like, are we going to knuckle up right here, bud? Right. And like, obviously we're not going to, but I'm okay now. With him. Yeah. Yeah. Some stranger. No. No. Um, well, not too long ago, the person that had been abusive towards me, I was contacted by the courts for something. Um... And there was a possibility that I was going to have to see him. Oh, God. And I just, I don't even know. I just went, I couldn't, I barely made it to the bathroom Mm -hmm. when I was at work. And I just, I couldn't fucking breathe. I was splashing my face with water. I called him and I was like, I I can't see him. I don't want to see him. Like, even the thought of seeing him has got me in such a 
fucking state that yeah. I can't even breathe right now. Yeah. So it's just because they're gone doesn't mean that it's gone. It's, oh, no. I don't know yeah. how to explain it. No, yeah. Um, that's a fucking lasting traumatic experience like it's not gonna just go away just because the situation changed yeah and i think now that's why i've gone so far in the other direction is the the males that i have in my life are very big very very scary but they're very very gentle and sensitive towards me and supportive they just, they yeah. just scare everyone else yeah which is almost like they're my defense in that way because mm-hmm. nobody's gonna want to go through them to get to me right and i think i i don't think i realized i was actually setting up that wall line of protection mm-hmm. so literally get, wall <laughs> yeah so to get to me you have to go through some pretty mean people <laughs> yeah yeah seriously so, and i'm okay with them no that's good yeah but it's 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 your turn <laughs> all right well let's do some yoga about it oh fuck i love yoga me too I'm trying to do better about it, too. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I'm trying to be better about it. Like, my goal is to wake up every morning and do 10 minutes of yoga and 10 minutes of meditation and read for 10 minutes. Because then that gives me 30 minutes, so it's not, like, so much in my head, you know, before I have to start work. But then I get, like, little things in. Because I wake up plenty of time before, so I don't have to fit in 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. But I think I could handle doing, like, 10 minutes of yoga in the morning. But I don't know about the night. I struggle with meditation. Yeah, I do too, and that's why oh, I want here, to, though. Before you get started on your story, I'm going to give you your thing. My thing? Yeah. Oh, my present? Yeah. Oh. You're not going to know what it means. I'm going to have to explain it to you. Okay. And then you can look at mine so you can see the difference. Because they're really fucking cool. So these are from Chris. Oh, okay. Oh, that is fucking cool, Chris. Yeah, look at mine. Um. Yeah, he's he's a fucking badass. Um, so yours is specifically designed to help you find your space with your new degree and what you want to do with it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then mine, if you look at the front and back, Uh they're really cool. Mine is designed for, um, a good, healthy pregnancy. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I might cry a little bit. That I, like, is the I read sweetest it and I was like, thing. Be fine. <laughs> like that is very personalized. Like, right. Super. That's not just like some random thing. Like that is so mm-hmm. sweet, Chris. Yeah, it's like perfect <laughs> for your. Thanks. Fit and mine. I was like, I don't want to do this. How did you know that I was struggling mentally trying to figure out what the fuck to do with my life? Because <laughs> you say it all the time. How did you know? <laughs> How did you know I don't know what the fuck to do with myself? no that is really cool and that's going right on my altar yeah well like i was actually looking at it trying to figure out like um you know those necklace hooks like those tiny little screw ones that you can put in yes i might have some stuff to make that yeah yeah right i was thinking because i know you like make jewelry so i was thinking if we could stick them in that we could like actually wear the symbols mm-hmm. or we could even wire wrap it into something if you want to just Ooh, around it that would be fucking so it doesn't cool. cover the front but just around it yeah just, yeah that'd be cool something like that because i figured i don't know i just felt like it's something that shouldn't be worn to kind of like remind us mm-hmm. like that we have protections in place for that as i love that to something you just walk by on the altar and see yeah yeah now and again yeah that's a good um, point so anyways I'm, i just feel like we should figure out how to wear it i love that so 
That is awesome. Okay, now you can have it. I'm cold. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm talking about the eight limbs of yoga. What? The eight limbs of yoga. Limbs, like our arms, legs, well, limbs. Well, yeah, I understand that. That's why I was like, what is she talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, there's d- eight different limbs of yoga. Um, and, okay, bear with me because there's a bunch of fucking Sanskrit words in here. Huh? Okay. So I went through and I did, like, the pronunciation, like, when you write it, write it out, whatever the word I'm looking for is. So, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. I don't fuck up too many words here. Okay. So the birth of yoga originally comes from Ved... I'm already doing it. Uh, Veda... Vedu... Veda... Fucking fuck. Vedas? We'll call it that. (laughs) Which is an ancient Hindu scripture, which dates back between 4,000 to 5,000 years. Vedunk knowledge was passed down from teacher to student through perfect memorization in the way of verses and poems. But it wasn't until the 2nd century BC that a sage named Pantajuli outlined what is known today as the eight limbs of yoga. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. So the word yoga comes from the Sanskrit word yuj or yaj, which can be translated to yoking or union. When a yoga teacher in training learns the essence of this word, it is often taught that in yoga we are celebrating the union of our mind, body, soul, and spirit. What is often omitted is the reason why our interests or reason why it's in our interest to make this happen so according to vedanta everything started with purasha which is pure being you can also refer to purasha as divine essence state of perfection or infinite love okay with purasha there is no suffering because there is nothing material and therefore no dichotomy when purasha creates the creation or creates, that creation becomes known as prakruti. Prakruti. There it is. Prakruti. Sounds like a weird fish. <laughs> Sounds saying. like a gross fish. Everything we know and understand is prakruti. These words, man. However, being a part of prakruti, we then forget that our essence is purasha. Pure. The process of remembering is found through chitta, chitta, which is the evolution of consciousness. Therefore, if we gather all the pieces of ourselves, mind, body, soul, spirit, and emotions, we are more inclined to remember that we come from pure awareness. Because we are prakruti, we we suffer. Our desires, needs, and expectations, as well as our forgetfulness, all cause us to suffer. Yogis throughout time have pondered the question as to how we can transcend human suffering. Pantajuli is no different. He created the eight limbs of yoga as a temple to help us transcend the confines of our ego and reach self-realization. The word sutra means to thread or weave, just as the English word suture means to stitch together. So the sutras or writings of Pantajuli are divided into four sections, which are called the pud. The practice of yoga comes from section two called the... uh, Sadhana Pud. Right. I'm not even going to touch on what that sounds like. That's fine. I know. That's what I'm saying. These fucking words, man. Mm. Okay. Uh, uh, Ashatanga means eight and refers to Pantajuli's eight limbs or branches of yoga. Each branch, when practiced, is designed to help the practitioner live a more disciplined life with the col- uh, goal, col- <laughs> goal of alleviating suffering. You know who's on my mind. 
<laughs> okay, so pan to Julie, his goal was for us, to, um, for us is that through these practices, we can still, the, still our mind and merge into oneness with the divine. When we awake to divine essence, we are able to fully live from a place of authenticity. Okay. We are able to discern who we really are and what our purpose is. We don't have to look to the exterior to determine right to, to determine right from wrong. All the answers are found within us. I'll decide. I'll decide. In Pantajuli's Yoga Sutra, the Eightfold Path is called Ashatanga, which literally means the eight limbs, as we talked about. Ashta means eight, and Anga is limb. These eight steps basically act as guidelines to how to live the meaningful and purposeful, purposeful life. They serve as a prescription for morale and ethical conduct and self-discipline. They direct attention toward one health and help us to acknowledge the spiritual aspects of our nature. To withdraw the senses from physical body and to cease thought on the external is exceedingly difficult. The ability to do so, even for a brief moment, is the result of the practice of the fifth, sixth, and seventh limbs of yoga, which will ultimately lead to uh, practitioners to the eighth and final limb of yoga, which is samdahi. Sumadhi. That's what it is. Sumadhi. (laughs) I'm just making shit up now. It's fine. The fifth through seventh limbs can be roughly translated to one's sense, to one's sense withdrawal, one pointed focus of the mind, and the concentration without an object. I didn't concentrate too well on that one. Your, like your eyes crossed so hard, I heard them touch. Yeah, okay? they were like, you were like, burn. <laughs> yep, I felt that. It did feel like that. The noise and everything. Burn. So learning the eight limbs of yoga in the the sequential order can be important. It is important to learn to draw the senses inward prior to learning to focus on one object at a time. Mm -hmm. Focusing on one object must be done before focus can be resolved to no sense object. I have no fucking idea what the hell that just meant. Yeah, I don't know either. You look just as confused as me. All of those skills must be a a certain, whatever, oh, ascertained. Oh boy. Prior to dissolving a sense of self that leaves the mediator in a state of sumadhi in perfect union with all that is. Jesus Christ. There's a lot to this. These Sanskrit words and shit and all these fucking things are just a lot. Well, well, we're learning together. This is like the 17th time I've read this too and it's all like fucking eight. I hate when I do that. Okay, so let's talk about the eight limbs of yoga now. The first limb is yama or yama or yama deals with one's ethical standards and sense of integrity focusing focusing on our behavior and how we conduct ourselves in life yamas are universal practice that relate to uh relate best to what we know as the golden rule not golden showers guys golden rule (laughs) i love when i do that your face facial expressions sometimes do unto others as you would have them do unto you Okay. That sounds sexual all of a sudden. Oh. So the five yamas are nonviolence, which is uh, ahimsa, that's the name of it, or truthfulness, which is sutta, satya, non stealing, which is asteya. These fucking words, I know. I'm just looking out my window. Like, like what, what the fuck? fuck? Um, discipline or restraint from sex. Hard huh? pass. Bra- brahmacharya. 
non-possessiveness, opera uh, graha. Okay. Jesus, fuck. So no, that's the I don't think he did that there. Jesus didn't fuck. No. Okay, the second... The second limb of, limb of yoga. Fucking hate this word. Niyama, the second limb, has to do with self-discipline and spiritual observance. Regularly attending temple or church services, saying grace before meals, developing your own personal meditation practice, or making a habit of taking complimentative walks, contemplative walks, not complimentative, contemplative walks alone are all examples of niyamas in practice. Okay. The five niyamas are cleanliness, contentment, spiritual austerities, the study of the sacred scriptures and of oneself, and surrendering surrendering to your higher power. I'm done reading the Sanskrit words when I don't need to. Um, some of I, some of this sounds a lot. I I don't know. I do. I guess I do a lot of it, but like. Mm-hmm. I don't like when things are laid out and it makes me sound like I've got to go to church. Right. It's kind of, Yeah. It's like kind of like the outline of it and you kind of just yeah. do your own version of each thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Some of these virgin, these limbs of yoga, I'm like, sustain from sex? No thanks. What does that even mean? Like, is that a thing that you choose to do? I was going to say, that's something that I feel like is not the choice that I would make. Right. Like, that's kind of something like if you're not getting it because you're single or whatever, then. Right. I'm already doing it, but. I don't like choose to. Like, why would no abstain? Back, I don't like it. Right. Okay. So the third limb is called asuna. As, asunas. Fuck sure. this. I picked the wrong topic. Okay. <laughs> um, which is the posture practiced in yoga? It is the third, and that's again the third limb. In the yogic view, the body is the temple of spirit, the care of which is an important stage of our spiritual growth. Through the practice of asanyas we develop the habit of discipline and the ability to concentrate both of which are necessary for meditation Um, generally translated to breath control this is the fourth stage which uh, consists of techniques designed to gain mastery over the respiratory process while recognizing the connection between breath the mind and emotions as implied by literal translation of pranayama, life force extension, yogis believe that, if not, uh, that it not only rejuvenates the body, but actually extends life itself. Huh. You can practice pranayama as an isolated, isolated technique by simply um, sitting and performing a number of breathing exercises, or you can integrate it into your daily yoga routine, hatha yoga routine. So these four stages of Pantajuli's Ashtanga, whatever, yoga, concentrates on refining our personalities, gaining mastery over the body, and developing an energetic awareness of ourselves, all of which prepares us for the second half of this journey, which deals with the senses, the mind, and attaining a higher state of consciousness. Okay. So Pratihara is the fifth limb. Your fucking face when you tried to read these I know, words. these fucking words. I even, like, wrote them out so I could sound them out, and I still am having trouble. Um, let's see. Which means withdrawal or sensory transcendence. It is during this stage that we make the conscious effort to draw our awareness away from the external world and outside stimuli. Neely, 
neely aware of, yet cultivating a detachment from, our senses, we direct our attention internally. Did that make sense? A little bit. Aware of, cultivating a detachment from our senses, we, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. okay. The practice of Pratihara provides us with an opportunity to step back and take a look at ourselves. This withdrawal allows us to objectively observe our cravings, the habits that are perhaps detrimental to our health and which likely interfere with our inner growth. All right, we're at six, guys. Bear with me. Six of eight, remember. Um, Daharna, Daharna, as each uh, as each age prepares us for the next, the practice of Pratihara creates a setting for Daharna, or a concentration. Having relieved ourselves of outside distractions, we can now deal with the distractions of the mind itself, which is no easy task. No shit. <sighs> In the practice of concentration, which precedes meditation... We learn how to slow down the thinking process by concentrating on a single mental object, a specific energetic center in the body, an image of a deity, or a silent repetition of a sound. So we, of course, have already begun to develop our powers of concentration in the previous three stages of posture, breath control, and withdrawal of the senses. Why are you walking weird? What? Why are you walking weird? That's weird. That sucks. Will you go start doing the dishes, please? I can't stand the smell. The ones that are in the sink. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just can't stand the smell. He's like, yeah. Okay, so breath control and withdrawal of the senses. So in Asanya's. Stop slamming shit. Okay, well, Dad's still asleep. I don't give a shit if you're pissed off about the dishes. And three, I'm recording. Fucking preteens, dude. <laughs> okay, so let's see. In Austin... No, uh, I don't care about the clean ones. I want you to start getting the ones that are in the sink, like, rinsed out because they fucking stink. You ready? Okay, in Asa... God damn these words. Asa <laughs> News. Asa not... Fuck this. I'm moving on. And pranayama, although we pay attention to our actions, our attention travels. Our focus constantly shifts as we fine-tune the many nuances of our particular posture or breathing technique. In pratihara, we become a self-observant, or we become self-observant. Now in dharana, we focus our attention on hey, a dude, single point. Never mind. Never mind. Just set it down and go away. Set it down. I wonder if you repeat yourself seven times if they hear you. Okay. Let's see. Um, so we focus our intention on a single point. Extended periods of concentration naturally lead to meditation. Okay. So, let's see. Dianya which is meditation or contemplation is the seventh stage and is inter uninterrupted flow of concentration. Although concentration and meditation may appear to be one, one and the same, a fine line of distinction exists between the two stages. Where Dharana practices are one-pointed attention, Dhyana is ultimately a state of being keenly aware about focus. Okay. Or without focus, sorry. Wait. Be keenly aware without focus. Okay. 
At this stage, the mind has been quieted, and in the stillness, it produces a few or no thoughts at all. The strength and stamina it takes to reach a state of stillness is quite impressive, and that's something I have not been able to really fucking master yet. No. No. Like, I'll get, like, periods of this, but I can't, like, do it for a long period of time. Practice makes perfect, guys. Okay, but don't give up. Yes, don't give up. While this may seem difficult, if not impossible, remember that yoga is a process. No shit. Even though we may not attain the picture-perfect pose or the ideal state of consciousness, we benefit at every stage of our progress. If you're only getting, like, out of 10 minutes, you're only getting one minute of actual, like, meditation, focused meditation, mm-hmm. or unfocused, whatever the fuck that point was. Right. Then... it's better than none? Exactly. Okay. And if you keep practicing, you'll get two, three, you'll work up to five, eight, ten, you'll get there. I don't know if I want to commit to that. Like, do I want to go down that road? I'm committing to, like, too many things in my life right now. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just, listen. I don't it's know just, what I want to see behind those closed doors. Yeah, just keep those closed for now. Just padlocked. A little bit. Right. All right, guys, we're on the eighth. We're on the eighth limb. <laughs> okay, so Samdahi, Samdi, Samdahi, something like that, uh, is what... Pantajuli describes as the eighth and final stage, which is a state of ecstasy. At this stage, the meditator, I think I said mediator before, meditator merges with his or her point of focus and transcends the self altogether. Okay. The meditator comes to realize a profound connection to the divine and interconnectedness with all living things. And with this realization comes the peace that passeth all understanding. That's all in quotations. Oh. The experience of, which is the experience of bliss and being at one with the universe. On the surface, this may seem to be a rather loftier goal, but, I mean, like I said, practice makes perfect. (laughs) Okay, so if, if we pause to examine what we really want to get out of life, would, what? want to get out of out of life would not enjoy fulfillment and freedom somehow find their way onto our list of hopes wishes and desires what did i do there i don't know okay anyways what pantajuli has described as the comp- completion of the yogic path is what deep down all human beings aspire to peace we also might give some thought to the fact that the ultimate stage of yoga enlightenment can neither be bought nor possessed it can only be experienced, and the price of which is continual devotion of the aspirant. What the fuck is that word? Alright, I'll end on a quote. Yoga is stilling the fluctuations of the mind. The one abides... Oops, then one abides in their own true nature. Huh. So those are the eight limbs of yoga, y'all. I just see this, like person with these like wiggly arms all those limbs. i picture that oh what's her what's the what's it called with all the yeah yeah like the i think it's is it a hindu statue yeah 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 with all yeah i picture that too that's the one which that... goes with i mean meditation yoga it's, uh-uh. all, it's all good close it it keeps popping into my head what does the yeah the that? chick with the yeah, arms yeah. it's creepy yeah. i don't like it that was like super detailed just to be like basically there's different ways to do more mind meditation different (laughs) ways to do body meditation that was the whole point of that (laughs) we just went around about it in like a really stub roundabout way right and i was like oh i'm gonna do this and then i started doing the research i'm like shooting myself in the fucking foot (laughs) but i'm glad that's done and over with (laughs) 
All right. Well, we'll just wrap this one because, or you're just going to hear me fucking babble for I don't even know how long. Right. And we're recording one right after this. So. Yeah. So we tell you guys to save that shit. Save our souls. <laughs>